The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. A few weeks ago, I heard a message by Elder Jeb Bowens of Texas on the topic of the raven and the dove that were released by Noah in Genesis chapter 8. That subject was so captivating to me that I couldn't get it off my mind, and I began to study it and tried to preach upon it myself. Today's message is the first half of that sermon, entitled The Raven and the Dove. There are some sweet lessons for us here about the old man and the new man. And I hope that I can bring these lessons out as well as Brother Jeb did. I hope you'll join us today for the first part of this message and join us again tomorrow to hear the conclusion of this message entitled The Raven and the Dove. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
eighth chapter of Genesis. We read, beginning in verse 6, about an episode that I believe is something that we can take a lesson from. In verse 6, it says, It came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Lord, being my helper tonight, I want to preach to you on this subject that I've never tried to preach on before, uh, about the raven and the dove. And the background of this, these verses that we just read, it begins in verse 1, but actually goes all the way back to chapter 6. And I think most Bible readers are familiar with the fact that there was a worldwide flood and that Noah uh, was chosen by God. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he was uh, to build an ark to preserve life. Now, there's a lot of types and a lot of shadows about that ark. You can go over the first chapter, uh, first Peter, the third chapter, and you'll read about uh, some saving that occurred that we've already talked about in a previous message. It was not eternal salvation, but was a timely deliverance. Uh, there was deliverance uh, from the waters, but there was also deliverance by the waters, and that's particularly what. First Peter's talking about, about how the water washed away the wickedness of that day and delivered Noah and his family in the ark that he built, according to chapter 11 of Hebrews, to the saving of his house. Well, there's another message there, Brother Buddy. I, I've just hit on about five messages that I, I, I could go off on a tangent in any one of them. But Noah, Noah built that ark to the saving of his house, and we ought to take a lesson from that, I believe, as especially the men of the church, the men of the family, we ought to build our houses up as an ark to the saving of our families from the wickedness of the world. But uh, again, that's another message that I don't really plan to preach on tonight. So what's happened is the flood, the waters of the flood have come upon the earth. And of course, the waters of the flood were a judgment of God because the wickedness of man was so great in the world. Back in chapter 6, I believe it is, uh, there's a verse there that talks about that every uh, thought or the imaginations of the hearts of man was only evil continually. We think we live in a bad world. And we do. We live in a wicked world. We live in a world where wickedness abounds and evil is out there. But in Noah's day, it must have been even worse. You couldn't set foot outside your house without someone looking at you and, uh, and only devising evil for you. I still believe there are good people out there, not because they're good within themselves, but because they're God's people. And God's people out there, I believe we wish good for one another, but there's still a part of us that wants to get our own way and wants to put you down to build me up. See, that's the way I feel like it's supposed to happen in, in my flesh. The only way I feel like I can be built up is to put somebody else down. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. The way to be built up is to, is to put yourself down and to build others up. But that's, again, another message. But here in this, uh, in this account, uh, where we are in the flood story is that the flood has been upon the, the, the earth. The, the waters of the flood have been covering the earth for many months 
And, and it says in chapter 8 and verse 1, God remembered Noah. That's a great statement there. Again, that's another message, but I just want to touch on it tonight by saying that God remembers his people. There was a thief on a cross one time who cried out, Lord, remember me. And the fact of the matter is, if he never cried out, the Lord would still have remembered him because we're told in the book of Isaiah that we ourselves, we ourselves are graven in the hands of the Lord. You know, when I get ready to write something down, Brother Mackey, and I don't want to forget it, sometimes I'll take my pen out and I'll write it right there on my hand. That's because every time I turn my hand over, I see it and it reminds me that I need to do something. The Lord Jesus Christ has us written in his hands. When those hands were nailed to the cross, we literally were nailed to the cross with him because we were graven in his hands. What a story. What an account. What a Savior that is. That's the Savior that we were singing about that John Newton wrote about in that book, How Tedious and Tasteless the Hours, that when, when Jesus is there, uh, even a prison can be a palace. And he also wrote that great song, Amazing Grace, how that, uh, that grace that we have is a, not just some kind of uh, so-so grace. It's not some kind of halfway grace. It's amazing grace. <laughs> and and what, a, what a Savior we have. God remembered Noah. God remembers his children and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually <clears throat> until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Now remember what's happened to this point. The flood has covered the earth. Noah and the all the living things that were preserved, including Noah's family, have been, have been preserved and protected in that ark for 150 days. You know, they've been floating around just at the mercy of the storm, so to speak. Uh, there was no rudder on the ark. There was, no, there was no motor on the ark. There was no way to guide the ark. God was the one who guided the ark. And Noah and his family had to just uh, deal with the fact that they were constantly being carried to and fro by the waters. But then after 150 days, suddenly I can just see in their experience there the, the mundane days that, that, that passed in that ark that was filled with animals and the Lord protected them and, and, and they were thankful for that. But I'm sure there were days that they were ready to get out of that ark. And then one day they feel a bump. And they feel something slowing them down. And, and we're told that the ark on, in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, settled upon the mountains of Ararat. There in the mountains of Ararat, which we think is on the Russian and Turkish border there in the Middle East, the ark finally came to a rest and the waters continued to decrease, to keep going down for another two and a half months. And after 40 days, we, we read that Noah opened the window of the ark and sent forth a raven, and he sent forth a dove. And that's what I want to preach to you about tonight, is the raven and the dove. Because there's a difference. There's a big difference in the nature of the raven and the nature of the dove and the outcome of, God, of Noah releasing these two birds. So let's talk about a raven. 
And when I first started reading this, I thought, well, that's a crow, but it's really not a crow. They're in the same family and they look a lot alike, but a raven is a little bit larger than a crow. And a crow, uh, as we know it around here, uh, makes a calling sound. Obviously, we hear the we know what that's like, and it's not a real pleasant sound in and of itself, but a raven has an even worse sound. It has a little croaking sound, and it's harsh, and it's unpleasant. And the raven, the, the, what, a, what a raven, like a crow, primarily does to live, he's like a buzzard. He's a scavenger. He lives off the dead. Uh, they, they'll, you'll see crows and ravens when you... Uh, we have some in America. I don't know that I could really differentiate between them, but, but those ravens, you, you may see them on the side of the road on some, some armadillo or something that's been run over, and just like a crow, I mean just like a buzzard, they're going to be scavenging from the dead. And as a matter of fact, the raven has been symbolic of death in many cultures throughout the histories of time. From ancient days, the raven has represented death. One of our own poets here in America wrote uh, a very dark poem called The Raven. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, he wrote The Raven, and it was a very dark poem. If you ever read it, that, that, that poem always creeped me out, you know. That, that raven sitting on the mantle in there in this man's desperate situation in despair over the loss of, of, a, of a loved one and and uh, croaking out the word, nevermore, nevermore. I mean, that just sounds awful. And, and he, didn't pick, uh, he didn't pick a peacock, and he didn't pick a flamingo, and he certainly didn't pick a dove to be the subject of that poem because a raven has always been symbolic of bad and evil and even death. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, the raven is considered to be an abominable animal. Over in Leviticus, the uh, 11th chapter, I want you to turn with me and we'll look there to see how that the raven was one of the unclean animals in the, under the law. In Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 13, we read as Moses is given the law here uh, is, that has been given by God. Actually, God is God is giving the law to Moses here. He said, These are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. They're an abomination. The eagle and the ossifrage and the osprey and the vulture and the kite after his kind, every raven after his kind, and the owl and the hawk and so forth. And he goes on to tell them that, uh, that these are... are unclean animals they are an abomination they're not to be eaten and and I don't know I don't want to get into all the reasons why I'm sure there were many reasons that we may not even know about but I know, I'm sure that one of the reasons is because they were birds that fed off carrion birds that fed off of dead things the raven was an abomination it was a and that word abomination means a detestable thing in the sight of God so the first bird that Noah released was a raven. And he sent that raven forth. The purpose of sending these birds out was to determine at where the world was as far as the water receding. And, 
and there was a, I'm sure there were reasons that, that Noah uh, chose a raven that I don't know about, but he sent this raven out first, and I want you to notice what the raven did. In verse 7 of Genesis 8, the raven went, went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. I noticed that phrase, to or fro, to and fro. That phrase, to and fro, is found in another couple of chapters in regard to another entity in the scriptures. You don't have to turn there, but sometime read the first and second chapter of Job. And when, when the devil, when Satan appeared uh, there at that worship service where God was present, and he said, uh, God spoke to Satan and said, uh, you know, where are you coming from? He said, from going to and fro upon the earth. From going to and fro. You know, I don't see the devil as a restful creature. To me, my vision of him is as a restless creature. He's not sitting back, biding his time, twiddling his thumbs. He's constantly going out to and fro. In fact, we're told he's like a roaring lion who is uh, walking about. Walking about, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a hungry, restless creature. And the devil is at home on this fallen world. And as a matter of fact, the devil is the reason for this fallen world in a very real sense. He's the one that tempted Eve, who then gave to Adam to eat, as we saw this morning in the message, how that, that plunged this world into the curse of sin. This raven, by the way, if you find yourself, as I do sometimes, instead of resting and focusing upon uh, restful things, if, in, if instead you find yourself restless and running to and fro, you're, not, you're acting a whole lot more like the devil than you are the Lord, <laughs> I'm afraid. The devil is the one that runs to and fro. So, so I'm, I have to be careful from time to time, as busy as I stay and sometimes as busy as I make myself be. Sometimes it's, it's stuff that I could do that would slow me down, but I, but I don't choose to do that. Uh, I'm being a whole lot more like Satan than I, am, than I am being like I ought to be. But notice what happened here. This raven went forth, and this raven went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth, the raven didn't come back to the ark. And I believe the reason that the raven didn't come back to the ark is the raven was satisfied with the dead world that was out there. Now, now think about the world that he saw. Sometimes we don't, I don't go any deeper than just, I read the scriptures and I don't really think about them. I want you to think tonight with me about what was out there at this point in time. Notice that this was at the end of the flood. The rains had stopped. The fountains of the great deep had been stopped. And now the waters are receding. What do you think they found on this earth? What do you think was left on this earth? Truthfully, probably even before the waters receded, there would have been the floating carcasses of dead things that, that maybe even people that, that had been destroyed by that flood. But certainly as the waters receded and as, as the ground uh, began to appear again, uh, there would have been, it would have, I'm sure it would have been unmanageable to walk in it uh, for a while. That's one reason I believe God left them in the ark for a long time after they stopped there on Mount Ararat. Because it would have been too muddy and you would have mired up. But in that mud and mire, there would have been dead things everywhere. Think about the great elephants 
Think about the great uh, creatures that were out there that would take some time to decompose. Those carcasses would have been uh, either floating in the water or laying around on the ground, and the carcasses of all kinds of dead things would have been out there. It would have been a horrible place in my mind to see. But the raven was satisfied. The raven was at home because the raven fed off dead things. The raven was satisfied and she found a place. I can just see this raven uh, lighting upon the carcass of a dead elephant or a dead animal of some sort and sitting there and pecking and eating and doing the things that ravens do and just as happy as she could be. And she never came back to the ark. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.